0: the goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors.
1: Welcome to show number 16. Today we have a a very special show because we have one of my favorite people in the world on today, uh, former Pirate and current offensive line coach for the Atlanta Falcons, Dwayne Ledford. Dwayne, welcome to the show today. Well, coach, I appreciate
2: it. And, um, I'll go ahead and get it out of the way. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't be where I'm at today.
0: Very thankful for you.
1: Well, I certainly appreciate that. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with your, your background and I'm going to go ahead on back to when you reported to East Carolina university in 1995 at 237 pounds. And, uh, it had you in that program. I looked at the 95 Liberty Ball program, had you in there at 6'5", 240. And I just, uh, since I'm a memorabilia freak, how about this guy? <laughs> I love that hairstyle, parted in the middle and little thick on the sides. And it says here, and we know that you played defensive line for the Oh. up until your senior season and it basically said that uh uh you know Dwayne was not flashy he was very successful but not flashy a steady steady performer but uh a little bit later you got a little bit kind of flashy when you're wearing that 49ers uniform though so uh, they might have had to change that a little bit <laughs> so uh you know, you graduated there in, in 1998. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your experience in relationship to uh, training and then on the field, and and basically how you got uh, how you gained 50 pounds. But of course, it has you here at 6'4", so you shrunk an inch somehow. <laughs> and uh, in in a later program, uh, but uh, gaining success and Uh, gaining enough talent and physicality and uh, physical presence to go ahead and make it to the NFL. you know, I know that, and of course I had you, your whole career. So you're one of definitely, uh, probably the hardest worker I ever had. I can think of a couple other guys, one of your buddies, Jeff Carr. Uh, but, uh, you know, we had a lot of lot of hard workers at East Carolina University for sure. Uh Emmanuel McDaniel's another one of my favorite ones, uh, who put himself in the NFL through his work ethic as well. But uh, you know, we got a whole list of guys like that. But uh go ahead and share a little bit about your experience in relationship to uh your journey at East Carolina.
2: Well, I know when my parents dropped me off coming from a small town in western North Carolina. Uh, Marion, North Carolina, uh, you know, it seemed like Greenville was, a, was, a, as far as you could get. And, uh, you know, I think for my parents pretty much growing up in life, it was all about trying to make me comfortable, making sure that I didn't need anything, um, extremely hardworking family, mom and dad, both of them dropped out of school to work to, to support me and the family. And um, an unbelievable work ethic that I got to witness. And, um, you know, a thing that happened to me in high school, and I think it changed the trajectory. And and I think that when you got it, you really sharpened it was, um, you know, one day I was I was a very late. I was completely opposite of how you just described me as far as being a hard worker. Um, I was lazy. You know, I was I was always like one of the bigger guys. Um, and so I always just kind of goofed off, didn't really work all that hard. Um, when it was time to show up, I just expected to kind of go out and, and and play the game. And um, my high school basketball coach, Lloyd Church, who you met this past weekend, he sent me home one day. He was tired of seeing it. And, um, and I was like, you're sending me home. Like, well, why are you sending me home? Like, I'm I'm the best player out here. And you're sending me home. Like, how are you going to do that? And um, so I had to go home and tell my dad, a uh, dad, because he asked me, he's like, why are you home right now? You're supposed to be a basketball practice. Uh, I got sent home. Well, why did you get sent home? And obviously I was making a lot of excuses. <laughs> and so my dad put me in the truck, drove me up to the high school and I had to sit in front of my dad who I think is one of the hardest worker I've ever been around. And I had to, and he got to listen to the coach describe my work ethic and why he sent me home. And the words that stood out was your son is lazy. He does not work hard. And, um, that was a tough, that was a tough thing to hear. And, and obviously there was, there was some, um, heavy consequences that I had to face when I went home that night. But, um, more importantly, that was hard to take because I felt like I let my family, my, my parents down. And that moment completely changed my my outlook. Like the, the next day when I got to show back up and the coach allowed me to come back on the practice court, I told, I told him and I, and I was like, you know, I know I can talk a lot, coach, and make a lot of excuses, but just give me one more chance. Give me a chance because I really enjoy basketball. I love playing sports. Don't take this away from me. He gave me an opportunity and I promised him and I wanted to show it. Nobody was ever going to outwork me. And and if he didn't do that to me at that young age because nobody had ever done that to me. Nobody had taken something that I loved so much away from me. And if he had never done that, I don't know if I would have ever gotten to East Carolina. You know, I don't know if if that door would have ever opened for me. And so yeah. I can't tell you like and it was it was so unique having both of you guys you and coach Church the high school basketball coach to come and be at the game be present at the game this past weekend. Yeah. Um that was something by coincidence and I was in uh, the whole week I was so excited about it because those you and and him were so influential in the trage- in and in, in where I am today because if I didn't have you guys in my life I wouldn't be here. And so when I got dropped off for college, it was tough for me because I was a single child. I was very close with my, uh, my friends, everybody from my hometown town either went to Appalachian state or Western Carolina. So I was the only person that went to East Carolina kind of went away and I was a big homebody. So I had a tough time adjusting. Um, and the thing is, you think that, you know, a lot, even coming there, I thought that, you know, I knew how to work. I knew how to outwork somebody. I was completely naive, you know, because what I thought was work was completely different and, and being dropped off for that first time and being away from your Mm -hmm. comfort, because I think that when you grow, you grow from being uncomfortable and when I look back at my career, being dropped off for that first time, that was uncomfortable. What you did with us every day, that was extremely uncomfortable. But those moments is what allowed us to grow. And and not to be a better football player or a better athlete, but just to, be, to grow to be a man, you know, to be able to go out onto your own. And so my time there with you – was now kind of sharpening what was kind of formed early on, I felt like in high school, which I had, I thought I knew how to work, but I didn't until like you – because that's the whole thing I love about coaching. And if it wasn't – like I remember Coach Logan came up to me my junior year and he was like, Led, what do you want to do, man, When you, with your degree? What do you want to major in? Because I was still undecided. I was taking all these classes. And I think it was going into my junior year actually. And um, I was like, you know, Coach, like – if I could pick anything, I want to be like Coach Connors. And it's because Coach Logan's like, well, this is the path you should take then. Like you should go for this degree and take it. And I told him the reason for that is I want to be able to make an impact on somebody like he's made an impact on me. And so i always wanted to be that because you made us uncomfortable. The program made us uncomfortable. It made us who we are today. And you're forever grateful for that because like I said before, like to me, it's, it's being out of your comfort level. It's, it's the, the, the things that, that are hard in life. That's where you grow the most. It's easy for every day you come in and, 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 you know, punch the clock, go to work, but it's during those uncomfortable times in which I think you truly grow and you kind of understand what hard work is, what is, what, what is passion, you know, what is persistence? If you want something, as and you know, we carried that the whole time at East Carolina. If you want something, it's never gonna happen. You gotta go make it happen. You know, and, and some right. of the stories that you shared with us, you know, I always take with me and I share it to today with everybody I've ever coached. And one story in particular was of the dog soldier, you know, and just the when you talked about that warrior and that warrior society that they had being a dog soldier, what it meant, how people looked up to them, but also how they kind of policed the people, but also in in moments of conflict or war, they would stake themselves to the ground until death or until somebody else relieved them. To me, that was what a teammate was. That's being there for somebody else. Would you have that type of sacrifice? And then there was always something that was, when you talked about the dog soldier to us, you talked about men of direct action. Yeah. And to me, you can never sit back and wait for something to happen. If you want something to happen, you got to go make it happen. And it's not about talking about it. It's about action. And to me, that's something that I've always carried with me. And it's made me who I am today. And all I am is just a reflection of all the coaches. That's been an influence to me in my life. And I'm just trying to give it back today. If I yeah. can just give back a part of it, I feel like I've, I've, I've done my part as far as trying to give back. Cause I think it's a wonderful profession that we, we get to be a part of. And so it's something that I don't want to ever take for granted. And because I feel like I owed them something, i owe those men something that
1: I coach. Yes. I mean, uh, when I first got to East Carolina, I was the first person I met was Henry Van Sant. And uh, I, I love that guy. You know, he had coached way back with, I think Stasevich. Uh If you kind of know a little bit of history about the Pirates. And uh, so it goes back, went back a long way. And uh, Henry kind of told me say, hey, you know, here's the tradition of East Carolina we need a tough guy to come in here and and make sure these guys work hard. And, and we need to overachieve. If you look at the schedule we play, you know, we uh, we've got to build that work ethic and we've got to build that toughness. And he just had me so fired up. I was like, well, yeah, Henry, you got the right guy. Here's all I can tell you. because I'm going to be the first guy here and the last guy to leave. I didn't even have an assistant coach when I got there. I mean, but, uh, I mopped that weight room every night. Uh, Henry told me that it was one of the best strength facilities in the, in the the East on the Eastern Seaboard. They just put in a five thousand square foot facility, and I didn't know if I could agree with that, but I was just glad to have you know a place to train and and uh, just turn me loose and let me coach. But uh, that's where I first. Uh, learned about the tradition and culture uh, of East Carolina, and I was very comfortable with that, and uh, couldn't wait to go to work. And then, of course, uh, with Bill Lewis, and then with Steve, uh, same same approach. And of course, you know you're <clears throat> you know how I feel about Steve, and you got to coach with him with the you know later in the, with with the Frankfurt Galaxy, and you know he's just been someone who's really helped us both. Uh, So I always have the ultimate respect for Steve Logan, Um, you know, getting into the specifics of your career a little bit. I'll I'll go through it quickly here. Uh, You know, your senior year, you got the NSCA uh, Strength and Conditioning All-American Award, which I was very proud of. Of course, you had great numbers in the weight room that you had developed, you know, and I was a numbers guy, of course. <laughs> uh yeah. hey i still so, shared
2: those with my players too i was like i know you guys don't think i, I squatted or did any power
0: cleans but these are yeah. my numbers
1: <laughs> well those primary movements were what my program was all about so yeah, i don't i don't know what some people are doing these days but that's that's something i always hung my hat on uh you know he went to the 49ers from 1999 to 2003 played center and guard there you know I had a great experience there, and then you went with the Jaguars in 2000, uh, and then the Panthers in 2001. And the NFL was having a hard time getting rid of you. And then uh, about that time, I was in Carolina, and uh, you and I talked. You wanted to continue to train to try and and uh, get with another team. Of course, you know you still had. A very strong desire to play in the league, so uh, uh, you became my assistant strength coach there, and uh, we we continued to train. And then you uh, signed with the Browns in 2005, which was great. Had another opportunity, and then uh, one year then, and then one year with the Saints in 2006. And uh, you know, so for someone who came into a program out of high school, 237 pounds, you know, left at 290. Uh, had incredible numbers that you developed uh, in the weight room and also moving to offensive line your senior year. Uh, and, uh, you know, Shank Weiler got a hold of you and, and uh, you know, did a great job developing you as an offensive lineman there as well. Uh, you know, that was pretty incredible career. Uh, and I, You were a tremendous overachiever. Uh, But I don't even know if you knew what you were capable of, but uh, you certainly had confidence in yourself and had developed that great work ethic. And so uh, getting into coaching uh, Frankfurt Galaxy in 2006 uh, on spring and then uh, coming back and uh, helping at the high school in Sanderson in 2007 and then becoming a GA at ECU for a couple years there with Skip during the time that they won the conference titles. And I'm sure that was a a great experience for you learning-wise as well. Uh, And then you said you went to uh, Tennessee State for a brief period of time and then on to uh, coach the O-line to be the run game coordinator Gardner-Webb. And then three years at App State, uh, pretty much in the same capacity there. And in 2015, you had 11 wins there three years at NC state after that. uh, And then two seasons at Louisville as the offensive coordinator. And then uh, from there, uh, now this is your second year with the Falcons as the uh, offensive line coach. And so uh, looking at that experience, we we have kind of a common experience there where we had to come back and coach against East Carolina. Uh, You know, when I was at Carolina, We played East Carolina five times, and and I think the record there on the sideline for me at at North Carolina was four and one. And then I come back to East Carolina, play North Carolina five times, and my my record on that sideline was three and two against North Carolina. So I was happy to have a winning record in both places, uh, seven and three record. But you know what? Uh, I felt bad. In the losses, and the thing about it was, I felt bad in all the wins too, because it's really hard to coach against the guys that you really care about on that other sideline. And uh, it's a—I don't know how you felt coming back to ECU and coaching, but man, I had—I just felt so strange. Uh, but coaching against Carolina was then strange for me because I had invested in those individuals as well. So it's a—it's a unique experience. It's a tough experience. Um, but uh, I always wondered, you know, how, how did you feel?
2: The, the same way. I remember my – when I first got to Appalachian State, um, the first game of the season was against East Carolina. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was always – we went down there. We stayed at the Hilton. Um, so it was a familiar place. And then um, game day, and that's the first time – I think that was the first time I've ever been in the visiting locker room. But just being yeah. out on the field, seeing a lot of familiar faces, and and just being on that grass, man, right. um, special place. It was a great game, great atmosphere. Uh, we lost that game, but it, it was it was a it was a definitely a a, a weird moment because you were there as a player, did so much for that program, um, gave it your all, and now you're going up against it, <laughs> and so. Right. It's it's a the profession that we're in, man. It's it's a when you were mentioning all those name, all those different places being there, made me think about also. I, I better thank my wife again today, uh, yeah. just because all the moving and stuff like that, and the uh, the hardship that it can bring onto your family. Um, yeah. But it's it's you know it was it was surreal almost when you go back and you play against a school in which you gave so much as a player. and um, gave you an opportunity to to come and get an education and and just to help you become a man. No doubt. But, you know, like, but the thing about East Carolina that I thought was so special of, like, you know, you talk about Logan and just his mindset, his attitude, like always going for it, um, taking chances, you know, and and his whole thing is that's what you do at East Carolina. The way we work, the way we train. I think that in our, in our minds early on, there it was all about. It, it doesn't matter what people on the outside will tell you, because so society today. I mean, you turn on the social media, turn on the news; it's always something bad happening. Yeah, you know, people it's, people are quick to to say the things that you can't do. You know, and that's why, like when you when you just mentioned me being an overachiever, to me that's the greatest compliment, other than being a great dad and a great husband, that's probably the, the best thing that I could ever hear because that's what I want to be. I want to yeah. achieve more than what anybody – I don't want anybody to put limitations on me. And to me at East Carolina, that's what we embraced. And it was always something or out to prove something. Yeah. And it was not only that as a player, but also when I got into coaching. Um. You know, I, there was always the the stereotype, of well, former players, they have a tough time because, you know, just – they, they want it right now. They're not willing to work their way through the ranks. And I was like, all right, what I got to do? So I went over to NFL Europe, coach over in Europe, enjoyed it, loved it, fell in love with it. And Because I really wanted to be a strength coach because I wanted to be just like you. And then I, I went over there as an as an intern and, and had my first year as a full-time coach over there and fell in yeah. love with just the, the schematics of it, just being with a position group. And so I wanted to go that route. So I, I knew I wanted to work with, you know, college athletes at the time. So I was like, I'm going to go back at Sanderson High School, because when I was bouncing around in the NFL, we lived in Raleigh. And so I worked at Sanderson, which was right down the road from me. But I also wanted to go back. I was like, all right, typically you have to go and be a G.A. and work your way up into college ranks. So I was like, I went out and I tried to get a G.A. job. I was yeah. fortunate as Skip brought me on as a G.A was there for two years, uh, skip left for South Florida. I was able to get a full-time job at Tennessee State. During that time at Tennessee State, I saw my wife one time. Because, you know, like, she was still trying to start her career. She was getting her MBA at Chapel Hill. And so um, that was a sacrifice because I knew the end goal where I wanted to be. Yeah. East Carolina taught me that. And so I knew what, what I had. I laid out a plan, and how am I going to be able to work that? How am I going to be able to keep chipping at that rock until that thing breaks, man? And so I was there at Tennessee State. My wife was great. She kind of she understood the sacrifices we had to make. And I was able to get closer back to home at Gardner Webb University, which was kind of near my hometown in Bowling Springs, North Carolina. And so I was there for a year. And then, this is a funny story, like, after that one year, Appalachian State had a turnover. They had a coach that left, took a job at Western Carolina. They had a lot of staff turnover that year. And and to me, I was like, man, Appalachian State, great football program. Won the the national championship. Always winning. I was like, man, if I could get an opportunity to go up there to continue to learn, that, that would be a great step for me. And yeah. so I, I didn't know Jerry Moore, didn't know Scott Satterfield. Jerry Moore was the head coach at the time. Scott Satterfield was hired to be his offensive coordinator. He was, yeah. um, he was at FIU. And, about, and it's about this time of the year, you know, when the coaching carousel happens, guys are putting together their staffs. They're looking for jobs. And I remember the, the, the coaching convention was held in San Antonio, Texas that year. And um, I've done every, I was doing all my work trying to, I was like, all right, I'm going to put my focus on, I got to get the O line job at at Appalachian State. I don't know Scott Satterfield, don't know Jerry Moore, but I've got to run into them to introduce myself and let them know I want that job. Yeah. I wasn't going to let somebody else give me a job. I want to go take that job. And so I went up there, you're up there for three days. It's, that like you've seen it before so many coaches everywhere and it's hard to, to even traffic through the lobby everybody's you know trying to run into certain people and so it was the last it was the third day that we were there I woke up and I was traveling so I, I called my, I woke up I called my wife Well, I called my wife that night and I was like well tomorrow I'm supposed to head back she's like well how was your conference and I was like It was good. I was like, I'm disappointed. She's like, why are you disappointed? I was like, I never ran into Coach Moore or to Scott Satterfield. And that was the whole purpose why I went to this convention in San Antonio to make that connection. And I was like, I'm thinking about waking up in the morning and just walking the terminals and try to run into them one last time. And Meredith, because it was during recruiting season and after your season, my wife was like, well, you'll run into them. She's like, just get your rest. You'll be fine. You need some sleep. And I was like, "Uh, okay. And so when I went to bed that night, I set my alarm. I was like, I'm going to give it one more chance. So I set my alarm really early that morning. I think it was around 5 o'clock in the morning. And I went to the airport early, and I walked up and down every terminal, every gate. And the San Antonio, that's a decent-sized airport. And so oh, at yeah. gate, I walked up and down. Jerry Moore was at the last gate, the last one that I checked. I saw him. He was sitting there with his wife, Margaret. And I walked right up to him, and I introduced myself. And I had about 10 minutes right there of talking to him, and I tried to connect with him the best that I could. And obviously, it made an impression on him to where now he brought me back up to Appalachian to interview for the job. Yeah. And, um, but it wasn't one interview and I love coach Moore to death. Like I I had to interview like five times for this job. And I remember he called me one day and he's like, Dwayne, just, I want to get you up here to meet everybody. He's like, um, just come up in your sweats. And I was like, all right. And, um, you know, I was just starting coaching. So, I didn't have a drill tape or anything like that. And, um, and then I told Coach Moore that. I was like, look, I don't have drill tapes or anything like that. He's like, just put where your switch and just take me through it. And so then I, I told him, I was like, well, do you, have a, do you have a sled up there? And he's like, yeah. I was like, well, perfect. I'll be up there. And I remember driving up the mountain, and I called my wife. My wife got really frustrated uh, because I was telling her I, I'm going to get the job that they're going to offer it to me today. And she's like, well, you've been up there two or three times already. You've talked to him. She's like, I don't want to hear it until it ha- like. D- don't even put that pressure on yourself. And I was like, no, nah, it's going to happen today. And so I went up there, and um, Coach had Scott Satterfield up there and had a couple other coaches. And I, w- I did an on-field damage. I felt like I was working out for an NFL team. And I was going through this workout, could barely breathe, could barely talk because I was winded, I was sweating. And um, fortunate – that they gave me the like he offered me the job after that. And um, the persistence that I learned early on, and that if you if you're wanting anything in life, you gotta go make it happen. And and that was something that that you taught me, that program taught me, and it's something that even to this day, I'm gonna make sure I carry with me. And I hope as a father, I'm able to, to instill those lessons to my kids. So they have that same type of attitude. And even right. to the players I coach, like if you want something, go make it happen. Let's not talk about it. It's easy to put stuff up on the walls, but let's go be about men of direct
1: action and go make things happen. Right. Getting back to, uh, I guess this is what I have to say about the experience that we had at East Carolina. First of all, Where East Carolina is concerned, I have respect for anybody, player or coach, that has poured their soul into that program. And my first stint at East Carolina was 10 years. And I poured my soul into that program. We talked about what it meant, what our culture was, the heart of the Pirate, all that kind of good stuff. During that time I was there, I interviewed at Penn State, Miami, and uh, it was important for me to remain loyal to Steve, remain loyal to the program, and uh, I saw East Carolina as being so unique in so many ways uh, that it was home to me, you know, and uh, it was hard for me to leave, Uh, but when I realized that Steve might not be there very long, I didn't know where that was going, you know, that kind of. Help me make my decision about that, but uh, there's just something about East Carolina. I don't know who, if you can put your finger on it. I don't think that every coach coming through here has felt it, because there's tons of coaches that came through here as used it as a stepping stone to go somewhere else, and then some of them wanted to come back. Of course, uh, you know me being one of those, but. I really I did not I never thought of this place as a, a stepping stone. Uh but uh you know I think we had a common unique experience. Uh I know that I'm going to treasure the rest of my life is you know that that whole decade and I know a lot of other people like Matt Semenza, for instance uh who feel the same way Jeff Carr uh you now there's there's a, a long list of individuals so don't know, can't put my finger on it, but, uh, something about it. And, uh, you know, that's another reason I'm still living in Greenfield here. So, uh, so, uh, uh, moving on to a couple questions here. Um, you have been a run game coordinator. And so, uh. Where did you learn your philosophy in relationship to run game? And is this something that uh, you continue with with Arthur Smith in relationship to, you know, Arthur, of course, was with the Titans and then he was the offensive coordinator with the Titans and uh, had a lot of success and gained a lot of respect there. So uh, this is something that you have a passion for is the run game. And so, talk a little bit about that. How you developed your philosophy there? It was one of those things where, um,
2: you know, when I was a when I did that when I was over in NFL Europe, we had a um, about about six weeks to get ready for a season. And you were you were getting a lot of allocated players at the time, but not only that, you know, I got to work for somebody that I coached for, well, that I played for, Wadi Jordan. Waddy was a longtime offensive coordinator, was Emma Smith's coordinator at Florida. Um, Coach uh, Craig James and Eric Dickerson at SMU. Just a wealth of knowledge and one of the best people you've ever been around. And uh, I'm actually going to go and visit him in the morning with the kids. Um, He's 86 right now. And so I want to make sure I try to get up there and see him. But he kind of – we would take a lot of film from the top Russian teams in the NFL – And we would watch all the films. And it was all the beta tapes. And uh, we would sit down watch all of them. And um, the the, the scheme that we always kind of gravitated towards, uh, it it was the the wide zone scheme. Some people call it the outside zone. Right. um, It was Alex Gibbs and what he was doing with the Denver Broncos and also when he was with the Atlanta Falcons. And as we watched it, we just got enamored with just what it – You know, to me, in football, I want individuals who are highly aggressive. I was a defensive lineman that moved over. And um, I remember my rookie season, you know, I was fortunate. I played for 9-0 line coaches in the NFL. And Bob McKittrick was my first coach. And uh, Bob had a sign up in our meeting room that said, one inch of leverage equals 10 pounds of body weight. Like, you didn't need to be the biggest to play up front. You got to play with better leverage. And so that that hit home with me because I, I felt like I was pretty athletic. I could move. Now, if I played with leverage, I had a chance to play in this league. And so Whitey and I, we would get like the, the Denver Broncos back then. They would always get these undersized line, these tight ends, these guys who were very athletic, uh, but they played extreme. You saw them just playing hard all the time. And just the angles in which that run scheme presented to the de- defense was, we just thought it was very hard. And um, I've always been under the philosophy of the, the famous Bruce Lee quote of like, you know I fear not the man uh, that practice a thousand kicks, but practice one kick a thousand times. Yeah. And so we wanted to have one thing that we worked that, and it was the, the combinations over and over and to be a master of something. And so we gravitated towards that, and and we kind of just, all right, this is how it fits us. And so we would make all these cut-ups. And then doing all that, I kind of learned also, you know, regardless of what you're doing scheme-wise, you better get the players to play for you. And you want them to feel like those guys will run through a wall for you. And I got to see that firsthand with Whitey and everybody that played for him guys loved them, and it was all – it all went back to the reason why they did was he cared about them. And once you know somebody cares about you, man, those guys are going to do anything for you. But it's got to be genuine. And so that kind of went along with kind of growing not only your offensive philosophy but coaching philosophy. Right. And they kind of they kind of went hand-in-hand hand all the way through. And then um, once, you know, I got to go to – and so once I got into coaching with it, In college, I was just trying to learn everything I can. And and the big thing in college at the time was all the spread offenses. And when I got with um, Scott Satterfield, we kind of merged a spread offense with kind of like an NFL-style offense. And that we kind of got into the pistol uh, formation and kind of had both. We tried to combine the two of them. And it was very good for us. And it was something that obviously we did there at Appalachian State. And then we also, when we were at Louisville and I had a chance to go there with them, we did it there as well. And and it was just something that we were very fond of and it was very good for us. And yeah. um, and we just enjoyed it. I always looked at it like one of the hardest drills, I always like to watch the defensive coaches and what they teach, because that's what you're going up against every day. Yeah. And when I watch the linebackers do a drill with the running backs and they do this angle tackle drill, I was like, man, that's a that's a tough – that's hard on the defense. That's hard to, to take an angle to make that tackle. And so when I looked at that that scheme, I was like, man, I could put that – I could put players, safeties, linebackers in that predicament with this scheme. And so I, I just kind of – I was very enamored with it and the results that we had off of it. Yeah. Do you want to cut back off of that stretch? We always call it a cut up. Okay. <laughs> Gotcha. So once once they get to a certain landmark, it's getting uphill now, and it's a, right. and we look at it and as a downhill play, and um, yeah. and it's a fun, and we enjoy it, we really do, and the guys embrace it, and it, it's it's fun to be a part of, that's for sure. It's something I've I told I told my players there's two things, All right, if I ever get buried or however, you know, if I get whatever happens, it's two things on my headstone that I want. I want a I want a Crowder sled to be part <laughs> of it. Like I want that two man Crowder sled, <laughs> and I want something about the wide zone to be written on there as well.
1: Yeah, and uh, just means a lot to me. So, well, when I played DB in college, as a DB back then, they made me tackle that Crowder sled every you know, every week. <laughs> so, I tell you that's Hit lift and drive at the right angle. Hit lift, wrap and drive. You know, at, and you better be hitting it at the proper angle, or it's going to spin on you. That's right, and you know, and coach, you've been coaching so much longer than
2: I have, and I'm sure you got a a, a tremendous, a, a great perspective on this, Because, you know. I'll hear comments, well, you can't coach how you used to. Um, you can't do the things that you used to do, and I'm, I'm just, I've the same drills, the same things that I've done ever since I got into coaching, obviously everything I've ever done, I've gotten it from another coach. I've learned coaches that touch that, that I got to play for. I've always been a hand-on type of guy. If I'm going to read about it or try to listen to about it, it's hard for me to, but if my hands have been on it, I've actually done those drills. I feel like I could teach it now. Right. And so to me, I've, you could ask my players from when I was at Tennessee state to even now with the Atlanta Falcons, it's the same drills in the same way I go about it. And it makes me think about that because you talk about the Crowder sled, that's a sled that's been around for football for how long now. And it's so useful and purposeful in the game, especially up front. Yeah. It's, it's about striking. It's about the hips. It's about, Having a base, it, it never gets old. And so, right. some of those things, when I hear statements like that, it kind of makes me like, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm not seeing things. Uh, the, but I, I haven't, I haven't changed anything in, in, in the way I go about it from day one. You know. And and I told my players when I got up here with the Falcons, I was like, "Look, man, I've got a certain way that I've always coached, a certain style." if I can't do that, then I just got to go back to college. Yeah. Um, but th- th- I'm not going to try to change who I am. Like I gotta be me. Yeah. And so, and I was very like, I got a great room here and, and those guys are about that work. And you know, it's, it's been awesome. It's been a great experience. Uh, but that's something I've always, when I hear stuff like well, you probably had to change this or, you know, they, they won't do this anymore. I was just like, I, I I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't really see that. <laughs> I don't know what
1: your experience has been with that, but uh I you know it's all about developing relationships and you have to I just think you have to make everybody feel important on your team and you gotta find ways to do it. And when we ran those three hundreds back in the day and I gave the gold shirts to the guys that made them and made them coaches, and then they ran around the field with everybody else. Uh, you know, that's how you feel important. You know when everybody else is encouraging you and making you feel you like you're part of the team. You got to do this. It's important that you make these three hundreds because you're as important as anybody else on this team. And that came from you know from me and my staff, but I wanted it to come from the other players. Yeah. You know everybody on that team felt important. Yeah. So you know when you when you look at this thing with this uh, you know this. Uh, Transfer portal, whatever, I read about that. You know, I read about these guys leaving, uh, and then, you know, you'll get other people who comment and say, well, that that's okay. That guy never got many reps. He was second team. He was just a backup. Well, guess what? You better make sure everybody on that team feels important because if you don't have depth, you're going to be in deep trouble. So, uh, you know, I, I think even with all this going on now uh, at the collegiate level with this portal, uh, <clears throat> You know, there's got to be a plan to keep people in the program. Yes, um, so I think. I think as what as you're hitting, about that.
2: I think what you're hitting on is, is exactly what we experienced at, at East Carolina. Yeah. You know, it's 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 the autonomy that you gave us. It's right. it's where you feel like you know. Because to me, I and I tell everybody I've coached, man, this isn't about any coach. It's about you as players. This is your program. You know, I just want to try to direct and guide you a certain way and try to help you become a better player, better student, a better man. But I was like, ultimately, this is your program. This is yeah. you out there on game day, on Saturday, yeah. Sunday, whenever it may be. And so to me, it's, it's having them have that that ownership in the program to have that autonomy that to make it to feel like where they can say, so they have a say in it. Yeah, You know, their work, it means something. You know it's and it's not just the coach up there all the time because I know that when you gave us those shirts man like that that yeah. was the one of the biggest things in the in the world to us man it's like coach give <laughs> me a shirt man and it was just a t-shirt yeah. probably get I
1: don't know where you got it from but it it was a treasure for us
2: you know yeah, it was and, all
1: about the, it was all about the meaning of a shirt and the, you know the other thing that I want to mention is you know one of those years the specialists won war day <laughs> and and they were over the moon over that i mean hey man oh man we won war day we got the war day t-shirts and of course i had different events for different position groups so you know i tried to make it fair that way and i, I thought it was fair that way but that was exciting because for me you better go out and get you a snapper and a punter and a kicker and a holder and you better prioritize that in your program. And I, I've always believed that. I'd be like, hey, man, you should go out and scholarship a punter and a kicker like before you even think about anybody else. First of all, these guys are going to be smart. They're not going to fail out of school. Yep. They don't have to do anything all that hard, except for, for me. You know, I've, I've made them do everything like everybody else, of course. Uh, but at the same time, these guys are going to be around for you. So you better go get you a good one and you better re- really learn how important that is because they're not just gonna show up. I mean, I remember a time where we had a kicker, but we didn't have a guy that could kick off. Mm-hmm. So you're you're catching the kickoff on uh, you know, it was different then. I mean, you're catching you're catching the kick on a 20, 25 yard line. So, you know, we, we got guys on 35 40 uh, offenses on a 35 40 yard line. I forget what year that was. But I'm scratching my head on that, and then we had a snapper that had a couple of bad snaps during the course of the year to cost you. So I mean, I, hey man, those things are vital. So uh, that's that's all I'm going to say about that. Is I can, uh, coach, I tell you what, win War Day one year, and that well, was.
2: I'll tell you what, you could do probably I don't know how many of these podcasts on just War Day and what that entails. <laughs> like when you yeah. mentioned that, that brought back a memory, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, those early mornings out there, that was something else, now. Yeah, and I, over time, I, you know, I'm not going to give a lot of detail to this, but I had to actually change the name of War Day. So, hey, hey, okay. Uh, but, it, but it, like, when you're talking, it like, because I think that's what, you, you know, when I
2: look back at my time with you, I think the whole thing was, because you always were changing up things. Yeah. And I thought it was all about the uncertainty sometimes in, in what we were about to do. Yeah. Because I remember some of the stuff that we did, man. <laughs> some of the stuff with the offensive line and defensive line and just some of those things that we did. Like, we didn't know that it was going to happen. But that well, made us stronger and made us
1: better. Well, we had Escape from Saigon. I don't <laughs> know if you remember Escape from yeah, Saigon. What was the name of that little gym that you took us to? You
2: remember that the uh, oh, yeah, yeah, we well didn't, didn't have any ventilation to it,
1: yeah. So, I believe you know, of course, I coach wrestling. You know, before I got into college, I coached high school wrestling for a number of years, and uh, and I was at Bucknell and I was on the wrestling staff there doing different things. I was actually a recruiting coordinator for wrestling, but I took the lineman down uh, in that gym. I don't remember, it was at the bottom of the hill, so we yeah. ran down there, we wrestled for an hour. And nobody, you know, no, knew that we were in there beating each other half to death, and it was all one-on-one deal. And I taught you guys maybe three wrestling deals, yeah. for a position, you know, whatever. And I didn't, I didn't really let guys stand up and wrestle. We wrestled on the mat mostly because I didn't want any knees or anything, you know. But uh, that had value. And then of course we ran back up the hill after we wrestled. So uh, yeah, I'm glad you reminded me of that. That was well, and that's, that's the
2: thing, like, we felt like nobody else was doing was willing to do that. Yeah. And so, like, when it came to training camp or in a game, like, we felt like there's no way this dude is going to line up in four yeah. quarters in front of me. And, and the whole thing about the fourth quarter, winning that quarter. Yeah. But it's like nobody trained the way we did. And, that, and we we knew that to so the confidence that we had going into yeah. a season or in a game, it was astronomical. And, and it's then and that, and it kind of like when you talked about overachieving, I think we over like it was overachievement as a team almost just yeah. because your mindset and just what you believed. Yeah, because everybody else, skilled guys and stuff like that, they were busy running. I forgot what you had those guys doing, probably just out, out throwing risk, running, working on speed. But man, when we were in that gym and on those mats, <laughs> that was hard, yeah. man but it made
1: us who we were we felt like we came out of it and it, and it made us tougher well skill guys did speed five days a week and i still believe in that you know there's got to be some some type of speed work every day and it's got to be first first thing you do uh, some of it might be tempo you know it might be acceleration work it might be uh repeat sprint ability i mean uh uh you know it could be resistance oriented It could be over speed oriented but you know, I always started every day with speed work with those guys, of course. And I prefer a four-day program for linemen, three-day program lifting for the skill guys and then, you know, speed work. But, uh, you know, I can talk about that type of stuff all day as far as nuts and bolts. But that's that's kind of generally what, what what the thought process was there. I really think even at the NFL level, you got to have that kind of pro- thought process. You know, you can individualize. Uh, but I think, you know, movement – and speed, you know, linear speed, movement, change, direction, all those types of things got to be prioritized and uh, particularly mobility at that level as well. But, uh, so, uh, uh, looking at pass pro schemes, just real quick, uh, there's some general rules there. Uh, but then looking at the teams that you play, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back on a, on a Rod Coleman, uh, who rod coleman played in the league you know i don't know a decade he was wasn't he a pro bowler yeah, yeah. And this this was one of our one of our guys you know at ecu and nobody talks about him very much and i think you know he needs to get recognized more for sure somehow but uh yeah rod, rod was a guy that you know you're gonna have a hard time blocking rod you better have a plan for him or you know he's gonna He's going to cause you a lot of problems. So, you know, when you look around the NFL, you know, what What are a few guys that uh, he, you might have to have a little special preparation for? Who comes to mind there? Nah,
2: Pro. I'll tell you, Coach, it's, it's week in and week out. I mean, this past week, yeah. the game that you came to, I mean, it was uh, T.J. Watt and Cam yeah. Hayley, you know, this coming week, our next game, we're on a bye this week. Um, but just, you know, Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, um, the the interior guys they have Anyamata like these guys the strength like the the size of these defensive linemen uh, the athletic the, the their athletic ability just the way they can move and bend yeah and to me I think that's one of the the best things like when you have power but also you can bend and get an edge right you know to to edge an offensive lineman. I think that's very unique and it's a thing like every week in in the NFL you're seeing somebody every week that is doing that. And yeah. so there's unique challenges. Your scheme is your scheme and you got ways that you can adjust that depending on what who you're facing that week. But it's really about those individual battles that each and every person cuz all these defenses they're going to find ways to get that one-on-one matchup. Right. And it's just now it's it's being good in that one-on-one matchup. Uh, But what you're seeing from these defenses, these defensive linemen these days, it's very similar to what we had there in Rod, and I completely agree with you. Like, I thought, like, even when I – because I was playing during the same time in the NFL as Rod, and just the respect that he had around the league as a pass rusher, but also just a complete lineman. You know, because yeah. he was a defensive end, that ended up moving in inside, playing a three technique, playing nose some. Yeah, and he was just so athletic and could like you couldn't touch him. You know, right. he just could end so well, and he had some some great seasons. And I always thought that he was, you know, if he wasn't the best that came out of, of East Carolina, he was always one of the best. Yeah, you know? and and just the 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 rare size that you see nowadays. I mean. But along with it used to be like you got these big guys that they do, they were about stopping to run. Yeah. And now nowadays you're getting these guys with the same size, but they can bend and they're extremely athletic. And so and it's
1: it's a struggle week in and week out going up against yeah. guys. Yeah. Well, one time with Rod, you know, uh, uh, every once in a while I get, get into wrestling match with those guys, and uh, we were <laughs> out on the field one time, and uh, and uh. I think i I think I might have taken Rod down and I turned him, and I turned him on his back for maybe one second, and before I knew it, he threw me about seven feet in the air, <laughs> and of course, I went about one ninety and then I guess Rod was about <laughs> two sixty two seventy but I was like I was amazed you know how explosive he was, but uh. Well, I remember like I hit the
2: numbers that he had in the weight room with his lower body like his his lower body was it was unbelievable. The what yeah. he could squat. Yeah. And the way he could bend. Yeah. Oh, and it that that was a special group that we had there. You know, you had Norris, yeah. you had him. And so it's and even I think back to Terrell, I think of somebody else that's that's coaching in the yeah, in the NFL and then who has has done a great like Terrell is a you think of defensive line coaches. Terrell yeah. is one of the ones that a lot of people are going to say like this is one of the best defensive line coaches in the in the NFL. Yeah, you know, just think about how hard because I think about Terrell also think about where he came from, as far as like where how he got to school, but also how he's worked his way to where he's at these yeah. days too. You know, it's just it's kind of like what you said before. It's kind of like that pirate that that mindset that we had, no you know? doubt. But one thing about you now, you you didn't you didn't shy away from being hands on
1: and and getting in there and and showing (laughs) us the way. That's for sure. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Well, Norris, you know, he always wanted to wrestle me (laughs) and I'm not not wrestling you, man. You weigh three hundred and ten pounds. And, you know, Norris was a pretty good wrestler in high school. Yeah. Uh, But uh, on my birthday, he always wanted to grab me. So I brought my I brought my boxer T-bone in there on my birthday and sat him down and, uh, you know, Nobody touched me on my birthday that year so <laughs> but Norris was Norris was always fun man you always had fun every day with him around
2: yeah yeah I always think that that's something that that gets you got to have fun um you can't take the fun out of football and what you're doing yeah. I mean it's it's a game I, I know that the stakes are high livelihoods and everything you know what people are wanting to get out of it but football you started playing the game because you had fun doing it and, yeah. and you have to you can never take that away from it and so i always think that that's as we did we had it we had a, a trim every time we stepped in the weight room we had fun when yeah. we were on the field we had fun
1: no and doubt so I, I think no that's doubt. a big part of it uh <clears throat> well i guess kind of what i want to talk about uh we got five ten more minutes left here uh when i talked to pagano uh, a couple podcasts ago of course it was a great conversation and uh i really have a ton of respect for him and all he's been through but we talked about presence uh uh, being where your feet are uh but also process goals and a vision you know so now what what do you consider to be your vision do you have a vision do you think of uh of everything as process goals to reach a vision or um, what what's your perspective there in relationship to your, your future? Yeah, you know I I think that you know first and foremost,
2: like you're so excited when you first get into this this industry and in coaching, like you're 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 wide open. You're like, man, I can't wait. Like I'm gonna be just like so and so. But you kind of learn, like, you're every stop along the way. It's not just the coaches that you work with. It's also the players that you coach, you're learning every day. And all this, and it, it's just you keep learning, you keep learning the ways and how to do things. And the players, they teach you so much as well, you know, the whatever stop it may be. You know, and, and throughout, you know, your stages and coaching, like when you first get started, like being a G8, I, I want to be a position coach now. I want to run my room. You get up to that level. I want to run a, a, an offense. All right. And so you, you, you go do that. And so, but I think what you love to do, and I've always, I've always, I love the men that I coach. And I love that moment that you get in that room with those men. And uh, part of the reason why I wanted to go to Louisville at the time was, you know, now I had an opportunity not only to get in front of the offensive line, I could get in front of the whole offense. And I wanted to have the opportunity to like some of the things I would do with, with my guys, just in that position room. Now I get to try with the whole offense. And then now I get to be up there speaking in front of all of them. Right. And um, you know, and I've been so blessed to, to be where I am today because that's another thing. I, I wanted to have this opportunity and along the way, you get to be around some great leaders, a uh, leader of just – and being here with, with with Art and just just how he is with the program. Yeah. You feel like you match up, like this is perfect. And the thing is, like I'm so excited about what we're doing here and just being on that ground, like you're coming in together, being on the ground floor, building it now. You know, and um, but, you know, for me uh, – I hope that one day, eventually down the road, you get an opportunity to now all these experiences that you've gathered, that now you can run your own program one day. Yeah. So that's always something down the road. I I hope that um, you have the – that I I get the opportunity to do so. Um, You know, that's something that I've learned along the process as well throughout my coaching journey. It's always got to be right for your family. It's got to be right with your wife, and um, yeah. that's something I can never take for granted. Is just because it, it's a strain um, that you put on, you know, your kids and your wife, and so whatever whatever door opens for us, it's got to be right for us as a family. Right. Uh, but you know, like I said before, being here with Art and and being like this is—I've always wanted the opportunity. I wanted to be able to say that. You know, I, I was coaching in the NFL because when you're coaching in the NFL, you're able to say that, you know, you're at the highest level of coaching your position group. I want to I want to just – how good can we be? How good can we be at protecting that quarterback? Yeah. How good can we be at running the football? And and, and because if you and, – and to build that and to where year in and year out, that's something that you know that you, that you're building and that you have there. You know, and then just the 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 type of program that you're with, and that's something I'm I'm very grateful that I'm in that opportunity
1: right now with Coach Smith here, yeah. The type of program that he's running. Well, no doubt about it. And you know, when I talk to uh, Logan, when I talk to Pagano, when we get, when I talk to Coach Bunning, uh, we get, at podcasts with all of them, and when you look at some perspective here in relationship to. Uh, for instance, when Pagano moved uh, from UNC to the NFL, you know, now you're talking about, you know, Logan mentioned the uh, the NIL, the, the fact that, uh, you know, with the transfer portal, you know, back in the day when we, were, when we were developing people for three years, and then all of a sudden if we started to lose people like a Lamont Burns, for instance, going into his senior year, you know, we, we would have been in, in deep trouble as far as, you know, uh you know, some the guys that we had spent a lot of time developing, and and uh, I know Pagano uh, was glad to get out of the recruiting uh, circus. And so, uh, you know, uh, I I don't know. Maybe more collegiate coaches now are looking to go to the NFL. That might be part yeah. of it. Of course, there's only so much room there, but certainly a lot more challenges at the collegiate level here of lately. Uh, yeah,
2: that's that's something. Like um, I know for that the great thing, like it's all about football and it's right. about the culture and every day you get so much more time with the players. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's its in developmental stages that you get them with. Yeah. To me, I think that you can never give up on the fact that, like I love coaching off. I love a passion about the offensive line. To me, I, I look at it as it's such a developmental piece to it and it's about developing the players. It, it's always got to be about that. Yeah. And so to me, like, you know, we got these different phases in which we can do certain things with the players throughout the summer, throughout the off season, and then you go through the season with them, making those corrections along the way. It's just a wonderful process. Yeah. Then, like, for us here now, like, for my family, like, the, the great thing about what we get to do is, you know, when when, when you come home, we don't have to be on social media. And we don't have to be on Twitter, Facebook, like I'm being present. Cause that's something that I try hard to be as a better father and a better husband. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that I've really, I've, I've been very grateful for my time here in the NFL is I get a lot more time in which I can be present for my family and for my kids. Yeah, And to me, that's important because that's one of the greatest responsibilities that I can have that I put on myself is to, to be that. And so, and, and I work for a man where coach Smith, where that's important for him. We line up like that, you know, like the family, that the family aspect's important. It's huge. Right. A lot of people they'll talk about family and everything like that. Um, but it, it means something when it actually, you can you, when you're around it and you know, it means something. And it's more than just words. And that's how we are. And I'm so thankful for the stage in which we're at right now because I'm allowed to do more, be a part. Like I coach Hudson's baseball team. Oh, I helped out as much as I could with this baseball team this year. Yeah, You know, and just to be around like that in the summertime and stuff like that because the calendar in which the college coaches have now with the recruiting, with the transfer portal and everything like that, it's a strain not on, only on them, but I also feel like it's going to be a strain on the family as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, uh, I'm going to finish this interview with three words that you're, that you are familiar with and that I've heard you talk about, and I don't know where it all started. I've seen it on t-shirts that you've handed out. So (laughs) tell me about the band of brothers.
2: (laughs) The band of brothers. Well, it's it, it kind of goes back coach to what you talked about giving guys autonomy it's about making them feel special and to me when i was coaching the offensive line it it was fun it was unique meredith her she has a uh, a step brother that's in the, that that's a green beret and and just like yourself i've always been intrigued with the training the leadership that are military that they have. And so I would talk to, to her brother a lot and just ask him questions like, you know, how is it with your men? You know, what? And he suggested one time, he's like, Have you ever seen the this TV series, like Band of Brothers? And yeah. I was like, No, I've never, I've never seen it. He's like, should watch it. It's pretty good. It's got a it, and so just watching it and just seeing how those group of men from different backgrounds. Like yeah. everybody's got something different about them, and but they come together to form a unique bond. And to me, I always wanted those men that I coached to feel like it was more than just that group. It was something more special about them. And yeah. to me, that was the whole thing about the Band of Brothers. Although we come from different backgrounds, different circumstances, we come together for a common goal. And we're going to work together all right, to achieve those things that we need to achieve. Yeah. And it was a everlasting friendship. It was an everlasting relationship that these men are going to share with one another. And to me, it was something very, very sacred and was very special. And so I, like I've I always adopted that band of brothers and I would always put it on T-shirts and because I, I, to me, it was about making those men feel more than just a position group. It was a
1: lot more special than that. Well, uh, I love that because my favorite quote, one of my favorite quotes in the world is, in any battle, the chief incalculable is the human dimension. So, you know, it's all about what's in here and what's in here. And that's what we always talked about But if you, you know, I know you got a couple examples of that. You know, your right guard right now and your center at uh, NC State, those were the kind of guys uh, that have that component. And uh, that takes you a long way. So, uh, you know, I can't say enough about that part of it.
2: Yeah, there's definitely a human element. To that, and and that's that's one thing. And regardless if I was talking to you about this or just talking to anybody, I'm not trying to like. You put a lot in here, but the best thing about it is it wasn't what you were just putting here. It was also what you were pulling out of here. Yeah. And to me, that human element of now of the to, the togetherness of everybody doing that and
1: getting that group together like that. It's pretty special now. Right. Well, I'll just say one more thing before I close. I, I want to kind of go to uh, your guy, Arthur Smith, who we both coached at Carolina. I coached him through his whole career there. And uh, for him to accomplish what he's accomplished at such a young age is amazing. Uh, he's a very intense young man. And, you know, I'll just tell a story of when I was in my office Hearing somebody beat the death out of the treadmill out there, and I went outside to see who it was. And Arthur was out there running on the treadmill, and he just finished uh, three miles in like uh, 21, 22 minutes. And he was—he had lost some weight from being an offensive lineman. He was down to maybe 240, 250, but that was still, you know, a pretty incredible time for three miles for an offensive lineman. And, and his response was, "Well, coach, I'm getting—I'm preparing myself to go into the Marines." And he was very serious about that, and of course, I had met Fred Smith a few times, his father who had started FedEx, and uh, obviously Arthur didn't have to go to the Marines, but he was very serious about that. But uh, of course, he ended up coaching ball. Um, but uh, you know, that's that's the kind of guy that you're working for, and you know, I'm sure that uh, you know his leadership is going to. Uh, be something that's going to benefit you in the, in the future as well. So, uh, you know, definitely want to recognize him as well.
2: Yeah, there's no question about it. Like, everything that Art is earned, not given. Right. And, you know, and I think that every day I get to sit back there in that team meeting when he's addressing the team and just learning learning new leadership skills and just how he's handling the team how he's sending the message, how he lives by the message.
1: Yeah. Just a great example for me every day. Right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up now. I I certainly appreciate the time with you and uh, I know this is your bye week. So, you know, wish, wish you luck next week. I know you guys will be prepared for the next game because Arthur has been very intense since the, uh, since the Steelers game, some of those calls in the Steelers game were unbelievable to me, but uh, I was very proud about your offensive line was road grading those guys in the fourth quarter. So that was great to see. So I wish you luck for the next game. Uh, This is Jeff Connor signing off for absolute empowerment and uh, armoredlife.org. And in this Christmas season, uh, make sure we thank God for his great uh, uh, grace and mercy. We'll see you next week and God bless. Thanks a lot.
0: Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on The Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at The Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at The Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show, and go Pirates!